As we're wrapping up 2021 and moving on to the next year, we need to start thinking about what we're going to do after January 1st. And of course, all of us, at least to some level, would agree that we want to grow. But knowing how to grow, knowing how to prepare ourselves for growth, those are a little bit different, uh, I don't know, kind of ideas to absorb. And we have to have a plan, we have to have the right mentality, and we have to have a blueprint to do that. In this episode today, that's what we're talking about. State of the end of the episode is going to be a good one. Here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock, in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. As FBA business owners, we've put thousands of hours of hard work into growing our businesses. But what happens when you've grown the business as much as you can and don't have the time or resources to take it to that next level? Enter Thrasio. Thrasio has acquired over 125 Amazon businesses from owners just like you. With more than 600 experts at the top of their field in brand management, growth marketing, creative, and supply chain, Thrasio's operating team can grow your business exponentially. Once you've sold your business, simply celebrate a lucrative exit and watch your personal wealth grow while your brand flourishes in Thrasio's portfolio. To connect with Thrasio's deal team, visit thrasio.com slash helium10. That's T-H-R-A-S-I-O dot com slash helium 10 for more information on if your brand is a good fit for Thrasio. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the AM PM podcast. I'm your host Tim Jordan and we are talking about things that hopefully are valuable for you as an entrepreneur. We talk a lot about I don't know I would say topics that affect e-commerce sellers because we're a little bit of a unique breed. And when I say that I mean we don't come from the same I don't know, cloth or from the same mold or the same template as a lot of businesses. A lot of this audience, a lot of e-commerce sellers are solopreneurs. They started off as side hustlers. They are, you know, people that maybe accidentally got into this business like I did, or were doing it as a little bit of a side hustle and it turned out to be bigger or better or more robust than they expected. And now it's like we're drinking out of a fire hose, right? It is a lot. And a lot of us don't come from really a lot of business experience. I know a lot of stay-at-home moms that now have multi-million dollar brands. I know a lot of people that were, you know, blue-collar electricians that have multi-million dollar brands and we didn't have the training or the expertise or the experience or the patterns or the templates to go off of. We didn't work our way up through the corporate ladder. So we're trying to figure this stuff out now. I also see a lot of mistakes in e-commerce and well, I'd say small business in general, but specifically in e-commerce where we don't have the planning or the mentality or the systems or processes or strategies in place to be able to maximize on the growth potential that we do have. So we either end up screwing up our businesses rather massively, which I've done in the past, or we just miss big opportunities or we lose a lot of sleep because we're not doing things efficiently. So for this episode, we have a guy named Daryl Amy. And he is dubbed, I had to write this down because it's so good, a growth architect. And he's worked with a lot of businesses and a lot of different, um, I don't know, genres of business or a lot of different uh, industries, I guess would be a better word. And he now has a company called 
revenue growth engine. I had to look at that again too down on my sheet. So revenue growth engine. And uh, Daryl, welcome to the show. And I'd love to hear kind of your background on how you got into all this crazy stuff. Yeah, Tim, it's great to be here. I'm an entrepreneurial junkie. I've got it in my blood. I started straight out of, of college with a business degree in my hip pocket in B2B sales. It was dog eat dog. It was highly competitive. We went out in the marketplace. We were selling technology and in the middle of all that, uh, got a taste for business, got uh, the entrepreneurial bug. I was a sales rep, sales manager, ran a branch for the technology company I was working for. And in my mid-20s, got recruited to, to, to interview and hire and train new, uh, new resellers for our products. So all of this time, I was, I was falling in love with business and I had that itch. I was like, I want to do something on my own. So finally, uh, in 2004, which will be now, wow, 18 years ago, coming up in January, um, I started a company doing sales training. But what I discovered was um, very quickly, my very first client came to me and said, hey, Daryl, the training was great, but none of what you said is on our website. Do you build websites? So the answer is, you know, as an entrepreneur, you got to go follow the opportunity and the money. The answer was, yes, sir, we build websites. And so now for the last 18 years, I've had this really fun journey of having one foot in sales. And I've had the opportunity to train thousands of salespeople um, in multiple industries and uh, from small business all the way up to designing sales training for a Fortune 500 companies. And at the same time, going on this whole journey uh, that we're on uh, of digital marketing, web, search, social, inbound. Uh, in the business world, we have account-based marketing and e-commerce uh, in, in all of that. And so it's been a very fun journey. Um, and, and what I love about the people that I get to work with and, and the listeners to this show talking with you, Tim, is all of us have a mindset for growth. We want to find opportunity and we want to grow. And to me, that's energizing. And I love being right in the middle of all of it. And it's interesting that you started off talking about the majority of your experience has been through B2B sales, you know, training right. sales staff, training sales teams. And for any of you that are listening and you're like, oh, I'm an e-commerce seller. What can I learn from a guy that does sales training for B2B sales agents? If you're thinking that, you're dead wrong because we so many times associate e-commerce sales with some hacky, gimmicky, get-rich-quicky, you know, kind of beat the algorithm to succeed when in fact, that, that has worked some in the past. I'm not going to discount that. But in fact, we are all salesmen, right? We are trying right. to sell a product. We're trying to get conversions. We're trying to get sessions and looks, and we're trying to get branding and all of that, all of that stuff. So I prefer to actually get some of my ideas and creativity and kind of influence on sales from people that aren't doing the exact same thing as me, specifically when I can lean into an industry that's been around for hundreds and thousands of years, like B2B direct sales. Right? right. So if you think that this isn't going to apply to you, you're dead wrong. It absolutely will apply to you. And you need to take note because having this outside influence and outside perspective is really, really important. You make such a good point. And the reality is um, whether we're all in sales, whether we're selling face to face, whether we're selling through an e-commerce channel, the reality is we are in sales, which is the transfer of belief. Sales is a transfer of belief. It's really simple. It's not slimy. Um, so there's some slimy people in sales. There's some slimy people in marketing. There's slimy people everywhere. The majority of people, though, are good people that have sincere beliefs they want to transfer. And if you think about it, the, the, the universal truth of sales and marketing 
is that buyers don't buy products. They just don't. Uh, Theodore Levitt, the father of modern marketing, is one of my favorite authors. And he used to walk into his Harvard Business School marketing class on day one, and he was holding up an electric drill bit. And he would walk into his class, and this is near and dear to my heart because when I'm not helping companies uh, build and build growth plans and execute them, I am uh, I'm I'm in my shop. I love building things. So um, he ha- would hold up an electric drill bit, and he would say, "Nobody." In the history of Home Depot, Lowe's, Ace Hardware, insert hardware of choice, hardware store of choice here, ever went to the store to buy a drill bit. What they went to buy was the hole. And, uh, you know, Seth Godin would say, well, they didn't actually want the hole in the wall. They wanted to, to hang a picture on the wall to make themselves look good to their friends or to make their spouse happy. And Donald Miller had taken a step further and go, well, we're actually all descended from cavemen, and we know that if we're not fitting in in our society, we're going to get eaten by a tiger. So we need the hole in the wall to hang the thing to look good so we don't get eaten by a tiger. It doesn't matter. Here's the point. Whether you're in e-commerce, face-to-face sales, or any aspect of sales and marketing, the buyer did not go to the store to buy a drill bit. They went to either buy the hole to look good to somebody else or to avoid being eaten by a tiger. It's the outcomes buyers don't buy products and services. They buy the outcomes those products and services deliver. And I think one of the things that we really can tend to forget, especially in the middle of all of the cool, shiny objects and gadgets and amazing tactics and new marketplaces and everything of e-commerce, we can tend to forget what our buyers are actually buying. And the most important thing we can do when it comes to growth is truly understand the outcomes that our buyers are looking for. There's lots of products on e-commerce platforms. Um, That's an understatement of the year, right? But I believe the companies that succeed are the ones that I see truly understand what I'm trying to accomplish as a buyer. And it doesn't matter if I'm selling drill bits or any product or service. At the end of the day, I want to find a company that understands what I'm looking for. And that's the stuff that gets through the noise. So this is really talking about not strategy, but mindset for growth, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so applicable to e-com sellers because things are changing rapidly in the e-com space. Even just sellers on Amazon are wading through so many changes in terms of service and compliance and ranking strategies and review uh, acquisition and all of these things. And I think that sometimes people get very frustrated when they see what they consider to be the rug pulled out from underneath their feet because there's a change. When that's just an indicator that we were not looking, I don't know, far enough ahead. We were being too small-minded, right? Because what you're basically saying right now is that we are sometimes so focused on the product that we're forgetting that what people are buying is outcomes. So wrapping it back around a mindset going into like 2022 we have to have this mindset of we are traditional sellers. We're selling solutions. It's not about hacky, gimmicky rank manipulation. It's about solving people's problems, whether that be a supplement and you're helping them get skinny or look better, have better complexion or a tool that achieves, you know, your home decor goals of 2022 or a toy that's going to provide entertainment or a gift that's going to provide joy. Right. Um, Going along those lines, what other mindset things can we think about going in 2022 that a lot of people are forgetting and that a lot of your clients you're having to go back and remind? 
Yeah, I love this topic. And I just submitted an article to Forbes yesterday on this particular, uh, this exact topic. And one of the things you mentioned earlier that things are changing and there is a tendency to go, ah, it changed. And, you know, one thing that I've learned as I reflect back over the last 30 years in, in sales and marketing is that change is constant. There's things are always going to change. There's some, there's some, uh, changes that happen quickly that, you know, we don't expect. You can't plan for some of the changes. You couldn't plan for the pandemic, obviously. You can't plan for some of the changes that Amazon or Instacart or Walmart, you know, might choose to make. But what you can do is you can embrace change as opportunity. Change is going to happen. And I think the mindset for growth, uh, one of the key aspects of having that mindset is looking at change as an opportunity rather than, oh my goodness, we're toast, right? You go, ah, what are we going to do now? It's an opportunity. The very existence of e-commerce is a result of a sea level change that's been happening and evolving over the last couple of decades. And so, you know, that the very existence of the businesses that we have that are in the e-commerce space are because change happens. So change is going to continue to happen and I think especially in the e-commerce space, we have to realize that we are agents of change and beneficiaries of change. So you benefited by the change in how people buy um, and change is going to continue to happen. So look at the change and go, how can we embrace that? You know, how can we how can we take um, things that are happening right now and make them work to our advantage? And this is what I really, really love about sales and marketing in general and about e-commerce specifically is this entrepreneurial spirit with the growth mindset says change is good. Change is an opportunity for growth. The ones that get sucked into change is bad and let's double down on what we were doing or woe is me. By the time you get over that, you're going to have missed the bus. And so this is this is something where I think as as entrepreneurs with a growth mindset, we need to be looking for change, embracing change, expecting change, change. You know, some things may catch us by surprise, but the fact that things change should never catch us by surprise. We should always go, hey, there are changes happening. And guess what? Change is good. Absolutely agree. So if we're at least admitting, if we're all agreeing that we want growth to happen. We want that positive change to happen, right? One of the things that I struggle with most is actually setting goals, right? I don't know if it's because I'm terrified I'm not going to meet the goals, so it's easier for me to say, oh, I'm just going to wing it and we'll figure it out as we come and then I'm never truly disappointed. Or maybe I just don't understand how to set attainable goals or reasonable goals, or maybe I'm not setting goals in a way that I can use as kind of a blueprint or design to actually accomplish those things. So how do you suggest to the people that you work with on, you know, going into 2022, how do we set appropriate and, um, I don't know, reasonable goals? This is, uh, this is one of my favorite topics. I call them aggressive, but realistic goals, A, B, R, aggressive, but realistic. Because here's the deal, what I've noticed across all different business types, when it comes to goal setting, there's one of two ways that people set goals. Uh, Method number one, which is all too common, is the spaghetti on the wall method. Like, you know, it's, I got to make a business plan for next year. Let's 
see what sticks, right? And uh, if if you're an individual, you know, you'll do this whole exercise in your old mind. If you've got a team, you'll sit around the table or the Zoom room and go, ah, what do you think we can do next year, Bob? I don't know. So, you know, spaghetti on the wall. That's not a great way to set goals because usually about August when you're not hitting that goal, you'll be like, ah, oh, that wasn't realistic anyways. And you're correct. Um, the other way to set goals is the ruler method. And this is a conservative way to set goals. But you basically look at the last couple of years of revenue and you go, okay, we did this in 2020. We did this in 2021. Well, let's put a ruler on that and move forward. Now, there's a couple couple challenges with that. First of all, I believe that leaves all kinds of money on the table, which I'll explain in just a minute. But the second thing is, you know, right now, I don't know what happened to your business in 2020 and 2021 with the pandemic, but for most businesses, the ruler is either pointed in the wrong direction, <laughs> you had a rough year, or maybe the ruler is like pointed uh, almost straight up, right? And you go, we can't do that again. Uh, you know, we were selling plexiglass or whatever at the pandemic. So this is, how do you set aggressive but realistic goals? How do you move past the spaghetti on the wall or the ruler method? And to do this, all, all you need to do is drill down one level and think about where does revenue come from? So if you boil it all down to the two most basic sources, revenue either comes from getting net new customers or cross-selling more to your existing customer base. So net new, cross-sell, land, expand, market share, wallet share, however you want to talk about it. And what I've discovered is to set goals for your total revenue number, it's smart to set goals at each one of those levels. So let's talk about that real quick. It's simple. Net new. How many customers do I have? Now, everyone's got to transfer this, translate this into your own business. I know we have a yeah. number of different e-commerce models listening in, uh, but how many customers do I have? And then what is my revenue per customer is the measure of cross-sell. So if I did, uh, you know, if I have a thousand customers and uh, my revenue was a million dollars, my revenue per customer is a thousand dollars per customer. Simple math, right? Once again, a little bit of translation in the in depending on how your e-commerce business is set up. But what I want to do is I want to then look at those two numbers and go, okay, with the right sales and marketing processes in place, with the right tactics and the right strategies, what could I do to grow that customer base from a thousand to twelve hundred or fifteen hundred or two thousand? And where do you where do I think with the right processes in place for cross-selling? I could grow my revenue per client. And now take those two numbers and multiply them together and you've got your goal for the new year. And once again, everyone listening in is going to need to modify this for their specific business structure. But the reality of all of this is if we can set goals for number of customers and set goals for revenue per customer, then we've got a more realistic thing to not only plan around, uh, but now it puts our minds to work going, okay, well, how would I get my revenue per customer average up? What could we do to, to cross-sell, upsell uh, more to our current clients? What strategies could we put in place? And so now I've got a realistic base. How many customers, revenue per customer, multiply those together. Now you've got your goal. It's going to be an aggressive but realistic goal because you can then tie it back to those two numbers as you track your progress throughout the year. And it sounds like you're oversimplifying this, 
but you're not because this isn't complicated, but it's a little bit complex. So if you're thinking about like those overall sales, you've got to track multiple marketplaces. You've got to track, you know, multiple products, multiple SKUs, all of those things, but it is doable. I think that so many times e-commerce sellers think of revenue growth. Like how do I just get more dollars when we're not breaking that into, well, are those dollars coming from new sales or cross-selling? Now, new sales and cross-selling cross yep. strategies are going to be different based on what type of e-commerce seller you are. If you're selling on a marketplace like Amazon, cross-selling is going to be a little bit tougher. It can still be done. You can acquire those customers through terms of service appropriate ways and you know get them into your list and, and keep reselling to them. But generally speaking, it's a little more tough. Whereas if you have a website, if you're a traditional e-com, you know, direct consumer seller, then you definitely should be raising the amount of cross-selling that you're doing, whether it's adding products or adding accessories, if it's a consumable, doing deals and getting, you know, subscription box systems and those things set up because everybody has a cost to acquire a customer, right? An acquisition cost. And we all have a lifetime value of a customer. Well, it's nearly the same cost to acquire a customer that buys from you once as that buys from you three times, but then your lifetime value of that customer just tripled. So sometimes it's actually easier to cross sell than it is to acquire a new customer. That depends on what you're, you know, selling or what you're buying. You know, if it's a crazy one-time use luxury item, you know, obviously you're going to have a hard time cross selling unless you add different types of items that are accessories. But I think you guys get my point. So that makes a lot of sense in tracking your goals. What kind of process should we have in place? I'm sorry, setting goals. But what kind of process mm -hmm. should we have in place to track those goals? Because setting them is great, but if we're not constantly staying on top of them, then we forget the goals existed and we're not figuring out if we're doing well or not. Well, I think those two numbers should be on the wall, you know, whether that's a digital wall or, or your actual wall or your whiteboard is how many customers do we have and what's our revenue per customer? Because here's the deal, your business, um, you know, your business may be growing, but you need to know why and where the growth is coming from. Because what I've discovered is most businesses are either good at one or the other. They're usually, and this is going across just the whole business world. I've discovered that most businesses are either good at acquiring new customers or they're good at managing that client base and, and growing revenue per client. That's great, but they're only going to enjoy linear straight line growth. If you can grow both net new and cross sell simultaneously, if you've got the, the processes in place to not only land those customers, but to grow wallet share with those customers, and you do, for example, and there's a, a spreadsheet you can get um, right off the website. It's a really, really simple spreadsheet to do some planning on this. Just text the word revenue to 21,000. Um, but if you grow net new and cross sell uh, by, say, 12 to 15 percent, just real conservative numbers, right? If I can grow my number of customers by 12 percent and grow my revenue per customer by 12 to 15 percent, the math is going to show you doubling your revenue somewhere right around 36 months. And, you know, you look at that and go, those are super reasonable goals, we don't have to do any, you know, massive new uh, thing. If we just take what we're doing now and optimize those things, we could be sitting in a place, you know, two years from now, three years from now, where we've doubled revenue. If you get more aggressive than that and have both of those things humming along, you can double your revenue really quickly. And so I think what happens is, is 
it seems like we all have a mindset of, of what we're good at or what we drive towards. Like my business, we might say, is really good at, at customer acquisition. Great. Keep doing that, but then put the processes in place to capture that customer information. Some of y'all might have to get really creative to do that. But once you figure out how to capture that information, then put the processes in place to, to market additional products and services to those people. Um, the flip side is, you know, if you're really good at cross-selling and, and maximizing your revenue per customer, great, keep doing that. But then ask yourself, what processes could I put in place? What platforms could I get engaged on that would help me drive, uh, drive new customers into that? The point of this whole thing is you want to make sure in, in order for your revenue growth engine to be humming along and working at peak performance, you want to make sure you've got processes for both net new and cross sell. So I understand, you know, the importance of, I, I don't necessarily show it in my actions, but I do understand the importance of having goals, setting goals, tracking goals. We started off kind of talking about mindset for growth. What are some of the biggest mindset mistakes that people make that cause them not to reach those goals? All right. So we know that goals can be not met for a lot of reasons. Uh, travel agency goals were wrecked when, you know, Travelocity came out. You know, uh, restaurant goals were wrecked when COVID came out. Like, we mm -hmm. can't always control that. But what are some of the mindset causes or uh, inappropriate mindset causes that affect the uh, or that create the inability for goals not to be met? Yeah, you know, the first thing that is so critical is what we talked about earlier is to have goals that are realistic. And I think that's where when you start to set those aggressive but realistic goals, you start to understand that these are goals that I can believe in. If you don't believe in the goal, then then the goal's useless. From there, what is is really really critical in all of this is disciplined execution, right? You talk about um, Jim Collins talks about the 20 mile march to the South Pole, right? There was two groups. I don't remember all their names. They went to the South Pole. One said, if the weather's good, we're going to go 100 miles a day. If it's bad, we'll just sit out and camp. The other group said, we don't care what's going to go on. If the weather's good, weather's bad, it's warm, it's cold, 20 miles, we're doing 20 miles a day. Consistent execution is really critical. And if you remember that story of the South Pole, Sadly, the people that said when the weather's good, we'll do a lot. And when it's not, they all died. They didn't make, they didn't hit their goal. I don't think anyone's going to die here from not hitting your revenue goal uh, per se. This is a metaphor, but um, 20 mile <laughs> March, what can the 20 mile March be for your business? So take that goal. If you've got a goal now to say, we're going to add this many customers this year, or this is our goal for number of customers. Well, what's that goal for today? Uh, you know, what's that goal for this month? What's that goal for this week? What does that mean for today? And what are the activities that need to be done to move towards that goal? Same with cross-sell. And so 20-mile march, consistent, disciplined execution. And I think what ends up happening in businesses of all kinds is we get distracted. We get disruption, right? So obviously things, mega disruptions like a pandemic or the market crash of 2008 or, or whatever. There's mega dis disruptions. Then there's the minor disruptions. Google changes their algorithm. Amazon changes their ter terms of service. You know, these things are, are always going to happen. What, what, needs, what we need to make sure is those things don't take us out for six weeks. 
that that we commit to whatever we're doing, we're going to keep doing it, even, knowing that the disruptions are going to come. Remember the 20 mile march in good weather or bad weather. So we don't get our eye off the ball for a moment during the year. Um, and I think the other thing that is really, really critical in in all forms of business, and I think e-commerce for sure, is having not all of our eggs in one basket. So mindset for growth says, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to have my strategy in multiple areas. It might be multiple uh, platforms that I'm selling on. It might be multiple ways to acquire customers. And you say, well, Daryl, shouldn't we pour all of our energy into the best one? And my answer is no. Um, I was just talking to a company recently that was, they had a huge um, influx of leads through Facebook. And so they were dumping all of their ad revenue, um, all their budget into Facebook ads. It was working until something changed. And then the faucet just, boom, it dried up for them overnight. And I, you know, my question to that person was, what did you learn? Well, I learned that I don't need to have all my eggs in one basket. There are other ways to generate, in their case, there were other ways to generate opportunities other than Facebook. And the smart move would have been, yeah, of course, put money in Facebook, but also make sure you've got some other lines in the water. So if one of them dries up, you're, you're not starting from scratch um, in another, another source of leads. So for, for those in e-commerce, that, you know, that could mean a number of different things. Um, but I think one of the things that's important in, in all of this is to have some diversity in where we're selling and how we're selling and how we're, you know, how we're acquiring leads and all of that. And, you know, to anyone that's got all your eggs in one basket, I would say, you know, things are changing to uh, the thing. The market's too dynamic right now to have one strategy and pretend that it's going to work uh, forever. And the, you know, the, the best thing you can do for change is to change in advance of change, <laughs> like start experimenting with other, other things, other ways of generating leads, other ways of converting, other ways, other platforms of selling. And you may go, well, it's not working as well as my main platform. Exactly. <laughs> That's the whole point <laughs> is you want to learn, right? And, and you certainly, and I, my heart went out to uh, that person that was generating all of their stuff off that one platform of Facebook. It could have been any, pl- any source of leads. Yeah. My heart went out to them because they were toast. I mean, they had a really big hole to dig out of. So I think uh, diversifying in every area of your business is a really critical thing to create the resilience that you need. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. I wish that we could go for like three hours and pick your brain on this, but but some good takeaways here definitely have to be thinking about 2022. I think that a lot of times mm-hmm. e-commerce sellers, uh, especially at the time that this this podcast is being dropped, like right before Black Friday, right before Q4, mm-hmm. we're thinking about the next two weeks when this is really the time we should also generate some uh, thought or allocate some some brain presence and thought presence to what happens after January 1st going into 2022. Uh, definitely having the mindset of, knowing that we can grow and that we have to grow, right? If we're not moving forward, then we're moving backwards, right? Setting those goals, understanding how to set realistic goals, understanding how to track those goals. That's all super, super important stuff. And I think that it's important because the stakes are very high. That's right. It's not fun. I hate setting goals. 
I like going, or I, I hate going through KPIs. <laughs> I like just winging it every day and having fun. But the truth is, I miss a lot of opportunities. And right now, the way that e-commerce is exploding and the way that digital marketing is exploding, and because it's becoming mm-hmm. more, I don't know, more strict. Like to do this well, you have to play by the rules a little bit better. You have to outthink your component or your opponents and your competitors a little bit more. I think that actually opens up a lot of opportunities for us to do better. Like we can gain a bigger market share, but also these businesses are valuable. You know, we talk a lot about people yeah. buying e-commerce businesses for massive multiples. The stakes are very, very high right now. So even though this stuff sucks, you know, the the tracking the KPIs, the admin stuff, you have to do it because the cost of not doing it can be v- millions, frankly. It can be very, very large. So, uh, Daryl, I know that you've got a podcast. What's the name of your podcast if people want to go and hear more about this just growth strategy stuff you do? Yeah, the Revenue Growth Podcast, and it's based on my book, Revenue Growth Engine, which, by the way, if you want a copy of the book, um, just text the word revenue to 21,000, pay for a little shipping and handling. We got a little e-commerce going on there. Uh, I'll I'll send you a copy of the book, but it dives into the, the principles of net new and cross sell and how to think about putting processes in place to ensure that you have an engine that's consistently running, uh, doing that 20 mile March every day. And I'd love to have uh, feedback from some of your audience on uh, how these principles help with the e-commerce world. Awesome. Love it. Well, thank you all for listening to this episode. I hope that this is valuable. I know it's not one of the most fun topics that we talk about, but it is important. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on whatever uh, podcast platform you're listening to. If you're watching this on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Make sure to subscribe and share with any groups or masterminds or any other communities that you're part of. Daryl, thank you so much for being on the episode. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.